So off I went uh, to find this little speck of an island. Uh, uh, I was watching, well, you know, uh, Sky <laughs> Sky TV was just going crazy. There was rainbows. There was all sorts of vistas, and it, it's a beautiful bit of coast in Ireland. It's the Antrim coast, the Antrim Glens. Welcome back to another episode of the Dode Mode podcast. On today's episode, I finished my interview with Mike Conroy, who circumnavigated the island of Ireland. Um, He's a crazy adventurer, super cool guy. And if you want to go check out the first two parts of this discussion, uh, go, go check back on the homepage and you will find them there. Let's dive right in and I hope you enjoy this episode. Cheers. Met some guy in the harbour who remembers meeting another circumnavigator 20 years before and he took me up to his house and I had a lovely meal there and a good old chat and then popped in to see the Coast Guard guys. Uh, I gave me some biscuits. And, uh, I had some selfies, so that was lovely. And then off I went again. But having rounded Mallon Head, uh, it... Uh, I was quite surprising. It was suddenly the swell disappeared. The Atlantic swell disappeared again. And I thought, oh, this is good. It doesn't feel scary anymore. Uh, so along I went, uh, big crossing across this uh, big lock mouth into a place called Port Stewart. Uh, stopped there for some. So I was now in, in Britain again. Uh, I'd left the Republic of Ireland. Uh, and it, <laughs> I stopped there and culturally I kind of I knew I was back in I was back in Britain again. Uh, there was there was more ice cream shops. <laughs> there would there were uh, waste bins, which was kind of a small thing, but you, you notice these things, particularly when you're uh, if you can't find a waste bin to put your rubbish in, you end up carting around in the back of your kayak, which I don't I don't like doing, particularly if it builds up like day after day. So uh, yeah, so the Irish being much more uh, environmentally aware than the uh, the Brits with our Tory government for goodness knows how many decades uh, have they, they've started charging for waste disposal. And as soon as they started doing that, they had to get rid of all the public waste bins. Otherwise, people would just pull. <laughs> uh, so, so the, the highlight there was two highlights. You know, I thought I thought I was on the wind down now, but I went uh, the Giants Causeway. Did you manage to get there? I didn't make it up there in my time, unfortunately, but it looked beautiful. Well. So, so the Giant's Causeway is these kind of hexagonal basaltic columns that are formed by volcanoes, you know, back along what, and uh, very, very iconic. Uh, and well, like someone has warned me, said that they're not very spectacular from the sea, and they were particularly spectacular, and they were absolutely crawling with with people. I mean, there was. There was, I don't know, two or three hundred visitors there. But I, I sat there eating my sandwiches, kind of watching the <laughs> people watching. I thought, oh, okay, this is all right. And then I went around the corner, 
And then I realised you've got about three miles of cliffs that are made from this, of the same uh, formations. And they are really spectacular. And they just, I don't know, they, they reminded me of greener versions of some of the Arizona rock formations. And again, I hadn't expected that at all. So fantastic. Uh, and then I headed off for my last big island, a place called Rattle Island, which uh, I've managed to build up Rattle Island into a really scary thing because uh, as as we as you round the corner back into the the Irish Sea, the gap between Ireland and Wales, uh, that 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 forces the tides into a narrow gap. So you've got some very big tides there. And particularly around that island, there's some uh, pretty dodgy tide races. So I was kind of treating this with great respect. So I toddled off the island, which I, because uh, I've got a taste for island, I thought I'd, I'd pop over to the island. Got stuck there for three days again. And it's it's, a beautiful place, absolutely gorgeous, because on the northern side of it, it's got the very same uh, geology as uh, the Giants Causeway. Uh, yeah. Lots of history there. Uh, so I, <laughs> I hung out uh, next to an abandoned mill, really cool spot, just kind of 100 yards up from where I was, there was seal colonies uh got to meet a tibetan monk which was a bit bizarre so it was tibetan monk and his translator and a local girl who was showing him around the island like like you do <laughs> and i kind of i door stopped and said hello because i what's this guy going around wearing a dress so i went and said hello and uh, they they were off to see the seals, so they were they were by force going past my tent. So I walked along with them. <laughs> and they were fascinated by my kayak, so I, I ended up with the, the Tibetan monk uh, practicing paddling with my paddle. And I took a load of photographs, which were my greatest photographs ever. But unfortunately, my, that that was my Pixel Pro phone that died. So I. I yeah, I lost all those photographs. It's heartbroken. Oh no! Uh, anyway, uh, so that that was I. I went round the island. That was uh, in order to catch. I spent about two hours doing the tidal planning because there's two crux points where the uh, you you don't want to get stuck where the tide's going the wrong way. Uh, so I got up at I don't know four o'clock in the morning. Paddled around the island, half in the dark, saw the sunset coming up over, saw the cave where the Scottish king saw the spider. Are you familiar with that one? Not, not really. I think I may have heard of it, but I'm not familiar on Yeah, the story. yeah. Uh, anyway, it's right in the corner of the island. It's, a, uh, and it's just kind of cool. It's kind of wandering by them. Hey, there's the, there's the cave where... I think the story goes the Scottish king was running away from the English because he's sensible. And uh, he's hiding out in this cave and the spider's 
making the web and then it gets knocked down and he makes it again and it gets knocked down. So that taught the guy yeah, the lesson of persistence and that did him some good. I don't know what good it did him. <laughs> so, uh, so finally, I I had to get off that island and I was only two days from completing the circumnavigation. Uh and for whatever reason, I had to start off because of the tides. That was the reason. Start off four o'clock in the morning, which uh, uh, is very atmospheric. Uh, so I was plowing through these waves uh, out across to uh, to the mainland again, and it was it was quite weatherish. There was a quite a strong westerly uh, wind. And I was, I thought, well, I, I need to tuck in. I need to tuck into the cliffs on the mainland to get out of that wind. And it was so loving strong. But I, I couldn't do it. Uh, so I just kind of ploughed on. Uh, I, I finally did. And it was all right. Uh, then, oh, yeah. I, I, yeah this was a hell of a, a day. This is all on the same day, okay. So I, I finally, I finally got to a place where I could stop and sort myself out, and uh, it'd been raining so much that pretty much all my kit was wet uh, or damp. So it looked like the it looked like the rain's finished, and I had this little beach to myself. So I literally laid out all my kit to dry in the sun, and I hadn't been getting much sleep because I died. You know, Two three a.m. starts, so I thought I blew up my lilo, and I thought I can't be bothered to put my tent up, and I had a bit of a kip, very short kip. <laughs> I thought time to get going, time to get going, <laughs> and then it started raining, <laughs> and it rained solid, and I thought it's good because that it'd been really windy, and the showers had been coming through really quick, so I thought oh it'll be over in ten minutes. An hour and a half later. I realised that the <laughs> all my stuff that I pathetically tried to cover it up was was soaking, and the wind had just dropped. That's the re that's the reason that it kept raining. So I thought, oh, oh goodness, I, I I need to get going. Uh, so I <laughs> this sticks with me. I managed to find this kind of half cave that I could. I could couldn't stand up in it. I couldn't sit down in it. I was trying to get change, and because of the uh, because of the wind had stopped, all these midges came out. I was being eaten alive. Uh, as I was trying to kind of get all the clearing kit back on, so I just got going, shoved everything in the boat, uh, and off I went again. <laughs> but in the in the in the intervening period, I'd noticed that there was a a tiny little speck of islands uh, which are just off. Uh, they they are northeast of Larn, the Port Larn. They're called East Maiden and West Maiden, and there's an abandoned lighthouse on there. I thought. That would be so cool if I could go and camp on that abandoned lighthouse. Right. And a kind of book said you could probably land on it. So off I went, 
uh, defined this little speck of an island. Uh, uh, I was watching, well, you know, uh, Sky <laughs> Sky TV was just going crazy. There was rainbows. There was all sorts of vistas, and it, it's a beautiful bit of coast in Ireland. It's the Antrim coast, the uh, Antrim Glens. So again, I was taking these wonderful photographs that I lost with the camera. Uh, and then I, I finally managed in the distance, I could see the, the lighthouse and that it was like, it was lit with a beam of light with a rainbow behind it. <laughs> I thought, oh, it's a sign, it's a sign. <laughs> I was also thinking, I by the time I get to that island, I'll have about an hour's worth of light left, which is not enough time to get me back to the mainland. So I better, I better be able to stay there. So, uh, But I got there all right. Uh, and it was the wind, well, uh, and that was it, that was a key factor for, for landing on that uh that that rock basically, that the wind had dropped. Because if, if there'd been waves there, there's no way I could land. There's no beach there, it's just you know, you had you had to get off onto on, onto rocks. So I just managed to get there, uh, haul myself up. <laughs> the craziest campsite I've ever been. It was kind of on this rocky slope, uh, because the actual island where the uh, lighthouse was uh, was was so scrubby that you, you couldn't camp there. Uh, had a bit of explore, and it, the atmosphere was amazing, just amazing. You got this tiny island in the middle of nowhere. The lights going down, incredible sunset. This great big tower looming over you. Uh, so that was that was quite, a, and you kind of you're fairly relaxed, but you, it's just that edge of if 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 the weather comes up now, you're not going to get off this place, <laughs> and you don't want to hang around here for too long. But it all worked out. It all worked out. Uh, another start to catch the bloody tide again. That's the way it goes. You know, you you've got to fall in with it. And uh, yeah, I was I was getting swept along quite right now. Uh, so when, when the tides are working for you, it is great. And I stopped off on the mainland. There's a place called the Gobbins. Have you ever heard of that? So basically, there's uh, uh, yeah, yeah, let's look at that. So there's, there's some cliffs just south of Lard, and they're not that spectacular compared to. Not compared to the West Coast, but they're, you know, you shouldn't dish cliffs because just because they're not as good as <laughs> the West Coast of Ireland. And some, probably somebody with too much money, has built a kind of walkway along the cliffs. Uh, I think they would, that was done in Victorian days and uh, they, they've been done up. So the tourists go there now, it's a big tourist spot. So I, I rocked up again there early before any tourists were there. And uh, there was a couple of guys who worked there. They were, I had a good chat with them and they took some photographs and that was lovely. Uh, then, oh my goodness. So, well, anyway, cut a long story short, I finally, after stopping in, basically Whitehead, like Bangor, having various adventures, got to go past K2 
Copeland Island, which was where I started. Uh, and the whole business of completing the circumnavigation was was quite cool because I was just cruising past Copeland Island about, I don't know, six in the evening, beautiful sun, orange light, <laughs> absolutely nobody around, just me. And I kind of crossed it. I thought, oh, I've just done it. And uh, I think I, I posted something because, yeah, in a kind of very low-key English sort of way. Uh, but by then, my focus wasn't on completing the... Uh, the the circumnavigation, you know, that that had been a done deal for a few for a few days. I'd I decided that uh, after you know two months of constant gales uh, proceeding one after the other, there was going to be a high pressure system, and that was my opportunity to get home and uh, get home via the Isle of Man, which involved two crossings, both longer than the crossing that I'd taken from Scotland to Ireland in the first place. So that was very exciting. Uh, so I had to kind of overshoot by, by a couple of days to get opposite, no, just a day actually, get to my takeoff and then I, then I paddled over to the Isle of Man, which is, I don't know, quite a long way. Uh, so it was an amazing paddle because the, the high pressure was just sitting over where I was, I guess. So the it was like a mill pond, uh, just beautiful and there was every now quite often I'd come across a group of I don't know 100 or so gannets and uh, razor bills and they kind of they hadn't long uh, left their nests and they kind of seemed to form little kind of family groups or creches uh, and then you've got the fulmers and oh beautiful bird life and then in the distance were these the in this clear blue sky, there was just columns of cloud that was sitting over the Isle of Man. Uh, so that was a great paddle. Got there, some random beach I picked. Oh, yeah, there was a campsite there. And uh, I ended up being stuck on there for about five days, actually. Uh, and got a, a lo lovely people on the uh, island there. Totally different place because suddenly, instead of the Irish accents, you actually had Liverpool accents, <laughs> uh, which I wasn't expecting at all because a lot of people from Liverpool uh, go go on holiday to the island, and a lot of them say, "Oh, this is really nice," and they stay there. It's also famous for the TT races. You come across that? I've heard of it. I would love to go one day, but never been. Well. Uh, this is quite slightly, uh, yeah, very sad actually. Uh, so, where I where I was camping is, uh, you know, if I just went up to the main road there, that was part of the TT route. 
and all these German Dutch guys were arriving at the campsite to watch or participate in, in the race. So that was, you know, that added the atmosphere. Uh, but unfortunately, someone managed, you know, died pretty much on the first day. And uh, I think they, they cancelled, you know, that day's racing. So I didn't get to see any anything. But I, I spent my time in the island. They've got a fantastic public transport system. And along the, the east of the island, you can go travel the whole east of the island, either on an electric tram or steam train that were put in in Victorian times and are still running. Um, have, you, have you ever heard of the Thomas the Tank Engine novels? I have. I have. That's very cool. Well, they they are based on the Art of Man, and uh, you can see why because it, it's all the you know parts of it. It's like the whole island is a museum. Just astonishing. So I enjoyed my enjoyed myself mentally there. Very friendly people. Uh, lots of you know, uh, you know, just with a three day bus pass, I managed to do a lot of exploration. It was great fun. Uh, whether oh yeah, I went paddling with some of the local guys and meet there. That was lovely. Uh, so anyway, uh, the weather <laughs> by this time, my wife was getting a bit antsy because uh, if you recall, I I'd become a grandfather a couple of months ago, and she was just itching to go over and see them, and uh, you know, kind of ten days before I'd had a. I said, Marianne, would you mind if I kind of go home via the Isle of Man? It's going to extend my trip by a couple of weeks. And she wasn't very happy with that. So uh, <laughs> speaking to her on the island, I was saying, OK, I'll, I'll be at home as soon as I can. I've just got to wait for a weather window. And uh, I, I think I was, I was prompted to take a rather <laughs> less fortuitous weather window than I would have otherwise. So, uh, yeah, my my paddle back to the Lake District was was quite a contrast with uh, my paddle over there because, uh, yes, it, it was quite a wind blowing and it was blowing. I thought it was going to be blowing me in the right direction, but it was actually 45 degrees to where I was, was going and... I found myself in, you know, halfway between the Isle of Man and the Lake District, uh, not able to let go of my paddle, not able to feed myself, thinking, uh, and not actually particularly sure where I was. Uh, I was thinking, I'm going to have to maybe, instead of heading for where I'm meant to be, where my wife had driven all the way up from Cornwall uh, to meet me, I'm actually change plan and just go with the flow, go with the direction of the wind, and probably end up I don't know thirty miles from where I was meant to meant to land. But fortunately, the, the gods smiled at me, and the weather started to calm down. Uh, and I, yeah, because for half that trip, I just couldn't see. I couldn't see where I was headed. You know, big target, the Lake District with all these hills. But it was sufficiently cloudy that they they were obscured uh, 
So yes, that was quite a moment when I finally met. I thought, oh, that is that is the hills of the Lake District, and then I finally got the orientation of where I was. That that was fun, uh, very tiring. I kind of staggered ashore eventually. Not that was that was a bit of a farce. I kind of I I had about I don't know, five miles to go. I phoned my wife and said, "Oh." I'll be with you in an hour. And I said, uh, actually, because of the, the way the tide's running, I don't think I'll actually make it. But what I'll do, I'll give you a call when I get, get to the to the beach. Landed in the middle of nowhere, went to call her, realised there was no phone signal. <laughs> so and there was this huge, huge shingle beach, uh, very, very steep. It took me, I don't know, half an hour to get all my kit to the top. Uh, and actually between the civilization and this bit of coast, there was a railway line. So it was a real cut-off little hamlet. And there was actually nobody there because I think they were all second homes. So I was trying to, you know, knocking on doors, trying to find somebody over the landline. And just as I managed to find somebody was there and he lent me their phone, my car appeared, my wife in there. So that was quite nice. <laughs> So that's it. I made it. Uh, and it was all, uh, it just got better and better as I, as I went along. You know, uh, the, the coast of Donegal was just amazing. There was a place called Owen Island where I'd seen the, the most spectacular rock formations I'd ever seen. Staying on Rattan Island was fantastic. Staying on the abandoned lighthouse rock was fantastic. Uh, Handling over the Isle of Anne was just an unbelievable experience. And uh, yeah, you you just you know some days you've it's like you've you'd fit in six months worth of outings that you you know in normal lifetime going away for weekends. You just pile them all. on top of each other in a single day. So that's why I do it, because it's great. That's incredible. And those kind of experiences, they're, I imagine they're hard to talk about or share and pictures wouldn't do them justice, right? Yeah, well, uh, it is. Uh, but in, in the same way, when you take a photograph, okay, I like photographing the coast and stuff like that. And I always do a portrait instead of landscape because people never, you know, if they're like me, they don't bother turning their phone to look at landscape photographs. So, so what you're doing then is you're taking a tiny slice of maybe, maybe taking 200 yards of a two mile stretch of coast. Yeah. And in the same way, if you're packing that many experiences into a day in technicolor with you know full audio visual and and the smells and the and the feel and the temperature and the wind and everything so so in describing a fraction of one of those days you're probably describing two inches of of the, of the two miles of that day if you mean and you when you have 87 days it's a lot It's a lot of experience, if you know what I mean. It's it's condensed life.
in, in, in the very best way. And it's quite addictive, really. But That's having it. said that, I, I you know, uh, it's, it's nice to have a, have a, have a contrast to it. Yeah, that's a great way to describe it. I really like that. Can you, um, what would you say to someone, maybe a young person who wants to set out on a solo expedition of some sort? What Do you have any advice or words of wisdom you could share? Uh, gosh, well, well, firstly, everybody does it their own way, I think. Uh, so... My first bit of advice would be, yes, yeah, spend a lot of time, spend a lot of time finding out what other people do, talking to other people, listening to podcasts. You know, it's great. But don't try and follow anybody else. You know, try and work out what you like, what are your own strengths, and, and build your trip around that. Uh, so that's advice number one. The second thing is, uh, is look for adventure in your own backyard, I think. I mean, uh, you don't need to fly off to Thailand or somewhere exotic. Uh, so uh, I, I think it's more of a... It's more about you than the external environment to a certain extent. And and anywhere there's people, you can have an adventure, I think. So, you know, you, you don't need to be in the wilderness to have an adventure. You go into a town and actually Yeah, some of the some of the things that I've tried to do are, you know, read about in articles like or say yes and 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 talk to people. Uh, I think because a lot of us live in cities and these environments where uh, you're, you're trained to distance yourself, uh, that uh, you, you miss out on so much. You know, the thing, the thing is that so often I, you end up talking to people and you can't tell. You can't tell by looking at them what experience they've had you know they might be the most amazing people uh and unless you talk to them uh you never find out uh so uh, stop me going on all day I, I think the other thing is to do it for yourself and rather than to impress other people because it's it's very easy to fall into that trap, particularly if you're going on social media and you know, it's like that guy who crashed crashed the plane. You hear about that one? I'm not not sure which one that is. No. Was well, somebody went? He must have had a private pilot's license. Went up in his plane, and then he parachuted out here, <laughs> pretended he, he you know he'd had some trouble. It was all a stunt to be on. Uh, uh, you know, get social media clicks. So that is a good example of, you know, I suppose it might be a bit of a laugh crashing aeroplane, but I don't think that's why he did it. <laughs> he did it because he wanted to impress people. So uh, do it to impress yourself, really. That's that's the trick, because then 
then you'll end up tailoring the experience to what you want. Uh, and and just to try things out, uh, find something, find something that floats your boat, and then turn it up to the max. <laughs> oh, I love that! What a great note to end on. Thank you so much for for coming on again, Mike. It was great chatting with you. Yes, yes. Well, I, I think I've, I've learned from this experience that I should not go do day by day accounts of. <laughs> It needs pictures. It does need pictures and it needs a bit of preparation because otherwise it's just uh, gets a bit monotonous. But hopefully, you know, uh, you get a, a sense of the enthusiasm of all the, you know, those, those adventures uh, uh, brings to me. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, one final question. So what's, what's, your, what's your next adventure? Well, that's what I was just going to ask you. What's, What's next on the horizon for you? Ah, well, good question. So, uh, well, firstly, for anybody who likes following these trips, there's, there's, there's going to be two people probably set out before me. So firstly, there's a chap from Florida called Felix, and he is, uh, he's got an audacious circumnavigation of the whole of Britain and Ireland and stopping off on... As many kind of uh, far outlying islands as, as possible, even the Channel Islands. So I think he's starting in March. So that is going to be, I've been in touch with him and uh, hopefully I'll get to meet him when he goes around Cornwall. So that's fantastic. Uh, there's another chap called Charlie Daly, who's uh, American Irish, a lovely guy who I was talking to last year. Now he set out. Uh, three weeks after me, unfortunately, he had a bit of a problem. Right? And he lasted about three weeks. So he's setting out to do it again. So that's going to be, I reckon, I reckon he'll definitely make it this, this year, but I'll be rooting for him. And uh, I shall be setting out at the end of May, uh, walking, walking a couple of days to the source of the Thames, and paddling the whole the whole way down to London, and then keep going north. So I'm gonna go all the way up to Edinburgh, which is pretty cool. And there's a canal that uh, uh, connects the east and the west. So I shall uh, stop off in Edinburgh, paddle canals to Glasgow, and then all the way back uh, round the Lake District around the whole of Wales, uh, back into the Severn Estuary, to, to the place I started walking from to get to the Thames, to finish the circuit. And I promise my wife now I'll be back by the end of you know, August 31st. You know, wherever I am, even if I haven't completed my circuit, I'm going to stop. So I realise it's not fair to people to like, kind of have these open-ended adventures. And uh, but if I've got time left, I shall pop over to Lundy Island and then back home because that'd be quite cool. So that's quite a biggie. That is that's a couple of hundred miles bigger than uh, uh, an island. And then the year after, I'll finish it all off and go around Scotland, which I'm really looking forward to. But one step at a time, I think. That's another bit of advice. <laughs> that's incredible. So you. 
you started off with kind of the southern um yeah, circuit. Yeah, yeah. Then you did Ireland. Now you're doing the the middle portion, and then you'll hit the north. That's that's amazing. Well, it, well it's, it shows you why you shouldn't make plans because because you can't tell the future. My original plan this year was to do the whole of Britain, so England, Wales, and Scotland in one go. But I've realised well, that'd be like eating a chocolate cake in one sitting. You know, it's uh, what I learned from going around Ireland is is slow and steady and uh the bits where you're stuck are just as good as the bits that uh you're paddling and you you want time to appreciate it so uh you know maybe i'll change my mind or i'll do scotland in two two years next year who knows <laughs> oh that's awesome i'm excited to uh to watch your progress i'm super excited so have you got anything planned then not not too much on the go right now actually in the next couple of months i'm going to be moving right into the middle of the mountains uh on the, on the west of canada so i'm pretty excited for that just being right in the mountains you know um right now i'm kind of in the uh i'm about an hour east of the rocky mountains so i'm i'm within the area but i'm super excited to just be you know right there have, have, having it on your doorstep makes such a difference it's where, where i live i can put the wheels on my boat and uh uh you know once i've dressed up because that takes a lot, a lot of faffing around but within 10 minutes of my doorstep i can be on the sea uh and it means you go a lot more than you know the, the kind of uh having to make that drive it just puts you off the moment it just uh, something psychological about it so exactly. are you going to be doing anything outdoors there oh i'm sure i'll be doing everything i i i love hiking and climbing and all that stuff so it'll be heaven oh, for well. me. <laughs> yeah 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 well anyway keep in touch uh absolutely you all the best it's been a pleasure talking to you or talking at you rather <laughs> absolutely oh i've, I've loved yeah. every minute of it thank you so much mike it's been an all absolute right. pleasure. cheers everybody Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. I had a great time chatting with Mike, and I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Stay tuned for Mike's future endeavors. Um, I want to say thanks to Mike for coming on the show. Uh, And again, thanks to you for listening. Um, I will link to all of Mike's social stuff in the description where you can follow along. And until next time, peace and love. Bye.